0: If you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Acts chapter two, uh, verse number thirty-seven. And so, for the rest of this month, we are just sort of we're kind of kind of cruising a little bit through the Book of Acts. And our series is called Big Church. And I believe we're calling it Big Church because God has has big things in store for His church, and He has a big calling for us. And today, our focus is going to be on the big message. That God has given to his people to the church to share with others. Um, It's not often that a a purchase at a garage sale makes the national news, but that happened in 2013. There was a, a New York family back in 2007. They were at a garage sale and they saw this little bowl. It was made in China. And it was on sale, for, it, was like, it was selling for like $3. And so they spent $3 for the little bowl, they liked the bowl, took it to their house, they set it on the mantel above their fireplace. Well after a period of time, they had some friends that came over, and one of their friends was kind of involved in the art world, and they saw that bowl on the mantel, and he walked over and they said, I, I think this bowl is from the Song Dynasty. Now, I mean, I don't even know who would know that kind of information, but, but the, the family didn't know what they were talking about. And he said, I think this bowl is like over 1,000 years old. And so they ended up taking it to, uh, is, is it Sotheby's? Is that how you say it? So anyway, something like that. So they took it to them. They looked at it. And they said, we need to put this thing on, on auction. They said, because we think that this bowl will sell for $200,000. Now I know after the service today you're all going to be going out looking for the garage sales, hoping to have a find like this. Well, they 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 gave it to Sotheby's. Sotheby's put it up up for auction. It didn't sell for two hundred thousand dollars. It ended up selling. This is in two thousand thirteen, made national news. It ended up selling for two million dollars. Isn't that unbelievable? How would you like to be the guy that sold it for three bucks? That'd be me. And so, so what is the deal? I mean, why did the guy, how in the world could you sell something worth $2 million for $3? Well, it comes down to something rather simple. Probably a couple things. One, the guy's wife wasn't around. But the other reason why is because the man did not know the value of what he had. And that's not just true garage sales, that's true in just about every area of life, it's also true spiritually. And what we're going to see today is that that God has given the church a big, big message. Now, what's the big message? Big message is really, in the big picture, it's very simple. It's that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came here into this world, he lived, he died, and after three days he rose from the grave. And the Bible teaches us that those who will entrust their lives to Christ will live forever in a place called heaven. Now, that is an incredible message. If you really believe that and you hang on to that message, it is a life-changing message. And yet, very few people are willing to share that message. And so the question is, well, now, why is that? And I I think it comes down to something very simple, sort of like the garage sale. It's that we don't understand the value of the message that we've been given. There are just a lot of people that don't understand or don't see that whenever Christ enters into a person's life, he changes everything about that person. Not just their present, but also their eternity. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the big message that we are are called to share as a church, as believers. And again, what is the message? Well, it's that Jesus lived, that he willingly went to the cross as a sacrifice for our sin, and that he rose after three days demonstrating his power over death, offering us a new and eternal life in him. Now, that is a a mind-boggling and absolutely powerful message. And whenever we share that message, it does incredible things in the lives of people. And so, if you have your Bible, we'll look in acts two 37 through forty, uh, just a little background information in Acts chapter two. this is basically the big message is what Peter preached whenever he was in Jerusalem, and he preached this message on what is known as Pentecost. Now, have you all heard of Pentecost before? Okay so, so what is Pentecost? Uh, Pentecost, very simply, it means fifty, and so it was, it was 50 it was a celebration fifty days after the Passover. And so because the Passover had just recently happened, Jews from all over the ancient world, they had entered into Jerusalem in order to celebrate Passover, which is the celebration of the Hebrew people being liberated from Egyptian captivity under Moses. Y'all, y'all remember that story? So it's the book of Exodus. And so all these people are gathered together in Jerusalem. But this Passover, or this Pentecost was the very first one after Jesus' resurrection. It was different. And so Peter felt compelled by God to speak on the big message. And so remember, there's people from all over the ancient world, they don't all speak the same language. And so Peter gets up and he begins to preach Jesus, him crucified and resurrected, and the people all over the place are able to hear his message in their own language. I mean, it's this incredible some would say phenomenon, coincidence, it's a miracle from God. Uh, we're told in Acts 2.8, the people were saying this, how is it that each of us can hear hear his message in our own native language? Well, the reason why, because God wanted the people to hear that big message. And God today still wants people to hear the big message that he's given his people. Now, whenever we share the message of Jesus, it does a work. It works in people's hearts and in their lives. And in Scripture today, we're going to see a few things that happens when we are willing to share the message of Jesus. Now, what happens? Well, the first thing that happens is when we speak Jesus and his truth, we tell his story, conviction occurs. People are convicted. Verse number 37 If you look there, it says, when they heard this, it's the people in Jerusalem who were listening to Peter. It says, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? It says, when they heard this, now what had they heard? Well, in the preceding verses, they had heard Peter preach the big message about Jesus. That Jesus lived, he died, he rose from the grave. You entrust your life to him. He will forgive you of your sins and give you new life. Now, the people knew who Jesus was. Remember, this is, 50, this is 50 days after the death of Jesus. They knew about his trial. They knew about his crucifixion. But in this text, Peter shared with them about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so after Peter spoke to the people, it had an effect on them. Now, what was the effect? Well, if you look in verse 37 again, it says, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Now, Now, literally translated, pierced to the heart means to stab. To stab you in the heart. In other words, they felt conviction. They realized for the first time that the Messiah had come. And they put him on a cross. And when they realized that, the scripture says that their hearts were stabbed. Now, whose hearts were stabbed? Well, we were told that they were at the temple complex. And at the temple complex, the people who worshipped at the temple, they were Jewish people. So there, there were Jews from all over the ancient world at this time who had descended upon Jerusalem. And the reason why they were there was for for obviously for the Passover, but they were also there, many were moving there, because they believed there would be a day when the Messiah would return, when he would come, and he would set up his kingdom, and they didn't want to miss it. So Peter preaches the message, and you know what Peter says? He says, hey guys, guess what? The Messiah already came. And when he came, you killed him. And whenever he shared that message, they were struck in the heart. In verse 36, it says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God made this Jesus, and Peter's very blunt, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard the truth, the Bible says they were stabbed in the heart. They fell under conviction. And they began to realize we've been looking for the Messiah our whole lives. And he finally comes, and what do we do? We put him on the cross. And they couldn't undo any of this. But the reason why they fell under conviction is because Peter was willing to share truth. Church family, let me tell you something. We have a calling to share truth. Now, where do we find truth? You know, everybody likes to say, well, my truth is this. That's baloney. Let me tell you, there's only one source of truth. It's here. It's it's God's word, and we are to share this word because God does not lie. God always tells the truth, and whenever we tell the truth, it speaks to our hearts. It is a book that is good for all time. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God, it's living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword. What does it do? It will penetrate In other words, it will pierce, like we're talking about in our text today. It will penetrate as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. Now, the truth of God's word pierced them, and they fell under conviction. And it happened because Peter was willing to share the truth. Now, if we are going to see change in the hearts of people, then we as Christians, as a church, we have a responsibility to share the big message of Jesus. And whenever we share that message, it can bring conviction. It can bring people to a place where they begin to understand that they need Jesus. Now, unfortunately, what happens a lot of times, is we don't want to do that. We don't want to speak truth. Truth. Because we don't want anybody to get upset. You know, we want people to like us. We don't want to offend anyone. And let me tell you something, I totally understand that. I want, I want everybody to like me. I don't really, it's not fun when you find out that there are people who don't like you. And when that happens to me, I think, what is wrong with that person? How could you not like me? You know, and so it's, it's very frustrating. Because let me tell you, God has not called you and me to be popular, now, He's not called us to be jerks either. But he's called us to be people of truth. People who are willing to share our responsibility of the message of Jesus. But so many times we want to stay in the middle of the road and so try to you know try to play it in such a way that we're never going to you know going to get any attention and never never draw anybody into anger to get frustrated. When you play in the middle of the road, you know what happens? You get hit by a car. Here's an example. In, uh, if if uh, my, sister, my sister's here, and we grew up in the Southwest. In the Southwest, they have tons of armadillos. Now, of course, I know that y'all, y'all knows what those are, but uh, there's uh, 30 to 50 million of them in the United States. But here's what's interesting about them. They have a propensity, and if you grew up in the Southwest, you know this, they have a propensity to get hit by cars. I mean, their carcasses are everywhere. They say 500,000 armadillos are run over by cars every year. What is up with that? You know what it is? They play in the middle of the road. Now, they've they got these little, you know, they got that shell on them, but they are, there's no competition for car. Matter of fact, in, in the South, they call them hillbilly speed bumps where we grew up. Now, there, there are a lot of us as Christians. You know what happens to us? We play in the middle of the road, and we are hillbilly speed bumps spiritually. Now, I don't want to offend anybody. And then we wonder why don't we ever see God move? Why don't we ever see the power of Jesus transforming hearts? Because we're playing in the middle of the road, and when we do that, we're not sharing the truth of Jesus, and there can't be conviction. Now, when we share the big message, there is conviction. And when the big message of Jesus is shared, we also see this with people. We see repentance. And that's what we see. Again, look at verse 37 again. It says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. They were convicted. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? Verse 38, very simple. Repent, Peter said to them. And be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus the Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter and his friends, they said, We are not going to shirk our responsibility. We are going to speak the truth of Jesus. And when it happened, people fell under conviction and how do they respond look, look again at the end of verse 37 they said brothers what must we do basically what that happened is the people for the first time recognized their condition peter took the message of jesus and, and here's what you know what scripture is scripture is it's really like a mirror and when you look into the mirror you begin to see your condition you, you do this every morning you know, every morning when you get up, I, one of the first things that you do, or that I hope you do, is, is you go into your bathroom and you brush your teeth. And if you're like everybody else, we have it, We have a mirror that's in front of our sink, and so as you brush your teeth, you look up at yourself for the first time in the morning, and there's not been one time yet when I've looked up and I thought, God, I look good. I look up in the mirror and I think, oh my gosh, you know, your face is puffy, you have lines on your face or your pillow. Uh, y'all, my hair, I have cowlicks everywhere. My hair sticks up. I have to get gel. I have to mash. People are like, why do you put gel in your hair? Because my hair grows everywhere. And so I have to mash it down. It's like a helmet. And so I, I, I put it down. But I look, and that happens because I look in a mirror. Now, if, if I didn't look in a mirror, I might think I look good. And I'd go out, and, and I, I, would, I would scare every You would scare everybody. If you did not look into a mirror. So what does Peter do? Peter says, here's the mirror. This is what happened. Jesus came here. He lived. And and you put him on a cross. And he rose from the grave. And he offers you life. It was a mirror. And the people looked into the mirror. And they said, oh my gosh, we look terrible. That's why at the end of verse 37, they said, what must we do? What, What should they do? Verse 38, first word. Peter said, repent. Now, now what does repent mean? Does it mean to quit sinning? Does it mean to be sorry? I think a, a good explanation is 2 Corinthians 7, 9-11. through 11. Paul wrote, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. Repentance means a change of mind, and a change of mind leads to a change of action. He says, for you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance, not to be regretted and leading to salvation, but worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, what it's produced in you what a desire to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. Now here's what repentance is. Repentance is having grief over what you have done, so much so that you say, I'm not going to do that again. That you're going to change the way that you live. Now there are many people who have regret. You know what regret is? Regret is this, it's I hate I got caught. You know, I, I, I did this, and I got caught. Not I'm sorry for doing it, but I'm sorry I got caught. Repentance, a change of action. Uh, Beverly Sill was the director of the New York Opera, and I'm a huge opera fan, as many of you all may not know. And uh, in the story, Be- uh, Beverly Sill was talking about, she'd taken over the opera, she said, I was... Uh, I, I got so busy, he so said, I quit taking care of myself, I wasn't eating very well, I quit exercising, So I started gaining a lot of weight. And so I went to the doctor, I said, like, hey, what can I do? He said, well, let's, first of all, let's weigh you, let's get on the scale. So she got on the scale, and she looked down, and uh, she said, your scale is broken, because um, she, was, she was getting large. And he said, your scale's not working out very well here. And he looked at it, and he said, uh, and her doctor decided he was going to put the mirror on her. He said, well, he goes, I'm looking at your fat feet. And he said, uh, and I'm thinking, your feet are on that scale, not mine. So what do you have to say about that? And he said, he just put the responsibility on her. She looked down and said, well, I guess it is me standing on the scale. And she said, whenever I finally recognized it was me on the scale and I was out of hand, she said, I decided it was then I needed to make a change in my living. Now, guys, that is Repentance. Now, I, know, I know a lot of people, they, they, they live very unhealthy lifestyles. They make very unhealthy choices, and they regret consequences. But they love what they're doing so much, they're not willing to change. That's regret. Repentance is a change of action. So Peter preached. The people were stabbed in the heart. They saw their sin. Peter said, it's time to change. It's time to repent. What did that mean for them? It meant saying, I will now, I will follow Jesus. Now think about that. The Jesus who 50 days before, they were cheering for him to be crucified, and now they're going to follow him. matter of fact, they're going to follow him, and Peter said, get baptized. Baptism is just simply, it is a symbol of what Jesus has done in your heart, but it is a symbol of repentance, saying, I now no longer live for me, but there is a change of action, and now I will live for Jesus. Y'all, when we share the big message, there are incredible things that happen in people's lives. There's conviction, there's repentance, there's salvation. It's the last one. Verses 39 and 40, the last two verses I'll read. Peter told them, he said, For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. Again, verse number 39 at the very beginning. For the promise is for you and your children. Now, what was the promise? What was the promise they were giving? It was the promise that Jesus would bring salvation to people from the penalty of sin. What's the penalty? It's to be separated from God forever in a place called hell. So who's the promise available to? Okay, so I can, I can miss hell and I can go to heaven. Who is this promise for? Verse, verse 39 again. It's for you and your children. Now, let me ask you a question. You remember who Peter is preaching to? He's preaching at the temple. What kind of people were there? It's Jewish people. Now, you might look at that and say, this promise is for Jewish people. My guess is most of us in here are not Jewish. Just a guess. Okay, so you might be thinking, well, if it's just for Jewish people, great. I'm out. Well, that's why the next part of verse 39 is so important to people like me to us it says it's, for, it's good this promise is good for you and for your children and it says and for all who are far off who are those who are all who are far off it's gentiles it's for non-Jewish people paul mentioned this in ephesians 2:13 he said but now in christ jesus you who were far away the church in ephesus were were non-Jewish people it says you have been brought near by the blood of jesus by the blood of the messiah Now, this doesn't mean that automatically everybody receives salvation. We have responsibilities upon us. Remember verse number 38? What's our responsibility? Peter said, repent. John 3, 16. For whosoever, what? Believes shall have eternal life. We have a responsibility to repent. We have a responsibility to believe in Jesus. Uh, Joshua 23, 14. Joshua told his people... He said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And then he went on to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have responsibilities. What's the result? Peter said it's salvation. Rescue from the penalty of sin. Now, I think too many times we've gotten so used to talking about salvation that I don't even think we realize what, what sal- getting saved from what now, I think sometimes we think, we think of heaven, it's a five-star hotel, and hell is a three-star hotel. Like, there's not, not that much of a difference between the two. Y'all, you know, that is not biblical. Let me share with you what Jesus had to say about hell. Jesus said in Matthew 30, 13, 49, and 50, So it will be at the end of the age, and the angels will go out, and listen to this, He will separate the evil people from the righteous and throw them into a blazing furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is not a three-star hotel. Jesus said in Matthew 25, Then he'll also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. See that? The eternal fire. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you you didn't care for me. And they'll answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And then He answered them, I assure you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you didn't do for Me either. And then He says, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Guys, let me tell you, if that's true, we have a big message. We have a message of salvation. That's why Jesus calls us to share it. When the rubber hits the road, and I promise you it's going to hit the road for every person in this room, we're going to die. Two destinations. It's heaven or it's hell. Now, if that's true, you think that message is important when we share it? The people that you love, that you care for, those people who are your friends, don't you want them to know this? We have a big message. And it requires us being bold enough to share it. I don't think it's, it's real hard to figure out we are living in a world that needs to be rescued. And Jesus is the rescuer. You know, uh, about a year ago, I, I, I shared with you all a story about uh, Desmond Doss he was the you know, the guy, they made a movie about him, and uh, he's the guy that was a, a a conscientious objector during World War II, wouldn't carry a weapon, but he was willing to become a medic in the army, one of the most dangerous jobs in the army that there was, and as they're fighting the Battle of Okinawa, men were trapped, they were under fire. Desmond Dawson is a medic, he was here, people call out, say, medic, and uh, under fire, as people were being shot, he would run over to them, and and he grabbed one and he took them to a cliff and he would lower, he would buy himself, he would lower them down the cliff with a rope. But he said, I kept hearing them yelling for me, medic, medic. He said, every time I'd just stop and I'd pray, God, just let me get one more. That day, he got 75 men. Single-handedly carrying them down the cliff, saving their lives one after the other. Y'all, let me tell you something. We are the Desmond Dosses of our generation we are the ones who are called to rescue others by sharing the name of Jesus people all across are yelling out medic help give me hope you have a message for me that's us it's the church it's Jesus And we are just simply to turn the mirror of God's word onto them and then see how that message will work in their life. What what can happen to people? Conviction, repentance, salvation. And here's the challenge. Will you join with me in sharing the big message? And what can we do? Here's a real simple thing. Next week, we're having that one service. Y'all, this is a great excuse for you to invite a friend to come to church with you under a big tent. We're going to be. We're going to have food trucks out. But here's the underlying deal: we're going to talk about Jesus that day. You might not want to tell them that. But that's where we're going to talk about Jesus. And our hope is that we will share the mirror with them and say, "This is Jesus. This is your condition." And our prayer is that God will change hearts. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the big message that you've given us. Thank you for entrusting us with this message. And God, the fact of the matter is there are many of us here today who know you because there was somebody else who was willing to share the message of Jesus with us. God, may we do the same thing. God, may we share the message that you've given us. Jesus, thank you for being the Son of God, for living, for dying, for conquering the grave, and for promising that whenever a person trusts their lives to you, that you adopt them into your family and you bring them to live with you in your home forever in heaven. God, people need to hear that message. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.